When we come to the Lord and He's our shepherd, we find that He is that source of contentment that allows us to, be, uh, to, to feel satisfied in Him. We also saw, saw uh, last week as we began verse number 2 that He was a source of rest for us. And we're looking at this uh, fact that He is our rest and our renewal. And, you know, we need renewal. Uh, we need it as, as the sheep. We need it even though we walk with Him. We need to be renewed. And I'm reminded uh, of the New Testament. It says that we can be renewed day by day. You know, uh, that's why we schedule vacations. Amen? We're looking forward to vacations. We uh, plan, set apart time. We, we plan our schedule. We know what we're going to do. We schedule some rest during those times. Maybe we, uh, the Lord knew we needed rest, so He scheduled one in seven days to rest. Uh, and so these things are essential to experiencing renewal. And so as we, we see this, God calls us to find a source of renewal in Him and in the stillness. And so... Uh, that's what we want to focus on here this evening. And verse number two, he says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And we looked at this last time, this rest that's indicative here. When a, when a sheep is at rest, it's because there's no fear, there's no anxiety, there's, uh, there's no friction with those around them. Those things have been put to rest by the presence of who, church? The shepherd. That's right. And then in the latter part of that, he says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. You know, oftentimes, we mentioned last time, we find th uh, sheep that thrive in these dried and arid uh, and, and just these really dry climates, and, but they still need water. They still need water to sustain them. They are made up of 70% water, and so it's essential for them to have a good supply of water. And so the, the shepherd knows where the water holes are. He knows where they can find this place of refreshment and renewal. And it's often even the shepherd that has created these places in those, uh, those uh, oasis. And it's in these spots that he will lead his sheep. So let's talk very quickly about this source of renewal. So prior to understanding uh, the source of water, it's good to understand the need for water. Obviously, we made up, we shared a second ago, that sheep require water. The fluid is used to maintain normal body metabolism. Uh, this, just like we need water, they need water. It's part of their uh, everyday living. Water determines their vitality. It determines their strength, their, their vigor. It is essential to their health and their well-being. And so water is essential. And so if the shepherd can't find water, the flock will die. And so if the, the supply of water for the animal drops off, what happens first is the body begins to dehydrate, and eventually it causes serious uh, tissue damage and the organs shut down, just as we experience as well. So any animal is very quickly made aware of its lack of water by thirst. And so thirst indicates there's a need for water uh, of the, for the body to have its supply replenished from a source outside of itself. Sometimes we're the same way. We, have a, we become aware that, man, we're thirsty for something and we're looking in the world or we're looking at this uh, or this person and, and we're looking at these outside sources, but the only place to find that replenishing is from the shepherd. He's the only one that can direct us to uh, the right place in the Scripture to have that source of strength and renewal and replenishing. And just as that physical body has a capacity and need for water, so we, and Scripture points out through the fact that we also need uh, uh, this source of water of the Spirit of, of God in our life. And so where is that? What is that source of water then? Now, when sheep are thirsty, oftentimes they become restless and they'll set out in search of water. And if there's none nearby, uh, and if they're not led to good water supplies, what happens is they will often eat and drink 
polluted water, maybe polluted potholes, something that has uh, internal pests and parasites like nematodes or some other things. And in the same manner, Jesus Christ also, who is our good shepherd, made it clear that thirsty souls of men can only be satisfied uh, to their capacity if their uh, thirst is slated when they draw on the water of himself. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, he says this in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So to drink is kind of a spiritual terminology here, and it means to take in, to accept, or to believe. And that is to say it implies that a person accepts and assimilates the very life of God in Christ to the point where it becomes a part of them. And so the problem is that those who are thirsty for God often then look uh, for that filling that, uh, to quench their thirst in some other place. And so in our dilemma, we drink from any kind of dirty pool that will satisfy this fulfillment, or in our mind it will. So these can be, these things, these sources of bad water, these sources of bad influence in our life, they don't always show up immediately. And their fruits are not always seen immediately. For example, if a sheep is walking along and he finds a polluted uh, pool of water and it's full of uh, uh, these nematodes and other things that cause internal parasites, that they don't have problems immediately. Those show up days and weeks later. You see, when people chase after the substitute of the world, they don't realize it, that there's a delayed reaction that sometimes comes. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of times an elapsed amount of time before the full impact of their sin strikes home. And, and suddenly, they're in deep trouble and they, don't, they wonder, what in the world happened? Well, it's all because way back here, you forsook the Lord and chose instead the things of the world. And so we find here, throughout the world, there's a long history of a long and complex history of different religions, pagan worship, human philosophy, all that uh, have this uh, desire to help substitute and satisfy the thirst that God has put there uh, in our lives for Him. The sad thing is that these things will never satisfy. So, generally speaking, sheep come for water uh, from three different sources. There's dew on the grass, there's a deep well, or there's springs or streams and in the, in, the heavy, in the heavy dew on the grass each morning, sheep can literally go for months if they are able to eat on grass that is full of the dew. And they can go for months without drinking actual water uh, because that dew is a source of clear, pure, clean water. And so there's no greater picture of the still waters than these silver droplets of dew that are hanging heavy on the grass each morning at the break of day. And so the good shepherd, what he knows is, I can lead my sheep to these green pastures where they will be satisfied, they will be filled, and not only will they get their source of food, but they'll also get a source of water which will sustain them. And so the good shepherd makes sure that his sheep can be out grazing early in the morning when the dew is, uh, is heavy on the vegetation. And so if necessary, it means that he will rise at 3 or 4 in the morning to make sure that his flock can be out in the fields getting what they need to sustain themselves. Now it's notable to observe that uh, Christians who seem most capable to handle some of life's uh, difficulties and all of the things that, that, that come at us, because the guarantee is that we will face difficulties but those Christians that handle it the best are often those who rise early each day 
to feed on God's Word. And it is in the quiet early hours of the morning that we are led beside the still waters where we find God's presence and the, the meat and the water of God that, that fulfills. You know, if you look at the, great, the biographies of great men and women of God, and I love to read and to hear about godly men and their examples and women and, and their examples. But you could look at their life and almost uh, every single time you could point out that the secret of the success in their spiritual life was attributed to some sort of quiet time each morning. Because there, alone and still in the quiet of the morning, they, you find them waiting for the Master's voice. And they're led to that place of renewal. One comes away from these times of meditation and reflection and communion with Christ. And it's a time of refreshed. You, you feel refreshed in your mind. You feel refreshed in your spirit. You're ready to tackle a new day. And the problems that, that seem so insurmountable before seem to just fall away in comparison to who God is. I'm telling you, it's those quiet, still moments in the morning that sustain our lives as in Christian. And when we go through our, our day, it doesn't matter what may come, because if, if we've had that time to just to ruminate and, and just feast on God's Word, then it has a, the opportunity to renew our heart throughout the day. And I encourage you, make it a habit of being in God's Word every single day. And for me, I know personally, morning is my time of day. Because by the, by the end of the day, I'm about worthless. And so that morning time, when I'm the freshest, I want to hear from the Lord. I want to come before God and say, God, here I am, feed me. Most of us, we, we try to satisfy our thirst by pursuing a lot of different things. It can be hobbies. It can be good things. You know, I, sometimes we leave the best things so we can follow the good things. And instead of feeling satisfied, we often feel dissatisfied. We left, we're left panting, looking for something amidst all the chaos of this life. And that's when Christ comes quietly and He invites us to enjoy the still, quiet waters. You see, the human heart can never be satisfied apart from God. There's no earthly substitute that will bring to us peace. There's nothing in this world that will allow us to be able to feel that contentment only through Him. And that's why he's, we're reminded that He leadeth me beside the still waters. But I want you to see, too, that the shepherd is the one that restores. Look in verse number 3. He says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I love that David writes, He restoreth my soul. And it leaves, it, it makes it very obvious for us here that there will be times in our life that we need to be restored. You know, we can, we can walk with, David was the author of this psalm. He was loved by God. He knew what it was to be cast down and dejected. He had tasted defeat in his life. He felt frustration. He had even fallen under temptation. And David knew the bitterness of feeling hopelessness. He knew what it was to be without strength. He knew what it was to need his soul restored. Psalm chapter 42, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou dis, uh, disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. There's a parallel here to this in caring for sheep. 
And, and that as we look at that term cast down, it's actually an old English shepherd's term for a sheep that is turned over on its back and cannot get up by itself again. It's actually uh, a sheep is then, uh, it's a cast sheep is the term. And I asked Brother Brian to show this video because uh, quite honestly it's a very pathetic sight. There's no, video, there's no sound so I'm just going to talk through what happens as you're watching this. But a cast sheep, if you come up upon one like you see in this field right here, is a sheep that is literally stuck on their back, just like that. Uh, it, and its, its feet are in the air. They're, they're frantically struggling to stand up, and they cannot do it on their own. Sometimes it bleats a little bit for help, but generally it lies there and just lashing about in fright and frustration. If the owner doesn't arrive or the shepherd doesn't arrive on scene in a short amount of time, this sheep will die. There's no hope for it. And that's why the shepherd must be diligent in their care over the sheep. You see, this is what happens. A heavy, a fat, or even a long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground, and then it rolls on its side to kind of kick its legs out on the ground and to relax a little bit, stretch a little bit maybe, and suddenly the center of gravity in the body shifts, and so it turns on its back far enough that the, that the feet can no longer touch the ground. And what happens then, he starts to frantically kick his, his feet and to pull, and, and, and this actually makes the, the, it worse so that they're stuck in that position right there. It's pretty sad, isn't it? It's a very, very sad thing to see. Now, from that position, it's literally impossible for that sheep to get up on its own. It cannot regain its feet. It lies there struggling, and as it does so, uh, gases begin to build up in its stomach. It's called the rumen. And these begin to expand, and they tend to uh, then cut off the blood flow and retard the blood flow and blood circulation to the extremities of the body, the legs and the feet or the paws. And if the weather is hot and sunny, a sheep can die in just a few hours from this right here. If it's cool, cloudy, and rainy, it may survive for several days. As a matter of fact, I was reading of one shepherd's account, and he said, oftentimes I would look out the door if I was at my home, and I would look out, and I would look in the sky to see if I saw any vultures circling. Because they knew that if a sheep was stuck in that position, that that sheep was vulnerable. And they knew that if that sheep was left unattended, that sheep would, would soon die, and they just had to circle and wait upon that sheep. This is what is pictured when we see the shepherd leave that 90 and 9 and look for the one lost. Because he's thinking, that, that sheep may be cast. Maybe, maybe it didn't wander off as much as it just sat down and it rolled over and it couldn't get back over. And so we see that shepherd then leaving the flock to find that one. And it is, a, it is a, really a struggle for survival. And this sheep is struggling for life. And every minute is vital to its survival. As a matter of fact, as one, I read one shepherd's account. He said, when I would spot the sheep, he said, I would run with everything I had to meet that sheep and to be able to check on that sheep. He said, there would be hope and there would be despair all in the same emotions because was, as I arrived there, I wasn't sure if it was alive or dead, but at least I had found the sheep. And his job then was to help that sheep regain its feet. And so what he would do, he has to tenderly roll that sheep over. This relieves the pressure of the gases that have built up. And if she has not been down too long, then uh, you can begin to lift that sheep to his feet. So they would, they would literally straddle the sheep 
and they would lift the sheep up, and then they would begin to have to rub the circulations back into the legs of the sheep. And if they rushed this, and it takes a while to get this sheep back on its feet and get it moving again. And if he, if he rushed the, the practice of getting the circulation into those, into those legs again, then the sheep would fall once again, and it would, uh, and it would once again be cast. There is an incredible parallel here in the Christian life. People often believe that God becomes disgusted and fed up and furious each time a sheep falls. And when he finds us in a helpless spiritual dilemma, we think that God is angry. But you know that sheep or that shepherd, when he finds that sheep and that sheep is alive, and he finds that sheep on its back, and he says he rejoices in finding that one lost sheep. He rejoices in the fact that that sheep is still alive, and he doesn't curse the sheep, but he helps that sheep back into a place where it can be restored. What an incredible revelation of the heart of God. Listen. There's anxiety for, you know, there's concern for us. There's compassion. When men are cast and women are cast as a shepherd has, uh, you know, the, we see that there's a great compassion of God in our lives. And that's why he offers uh, it for us in 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is why he cared for the, the ones that were lost, that were down and out. He, it's why he wept even over the ones that, that spurned his love and those that, uh, that uh, re, uh, disregarded the devotion that they were given. We see Christ as that good shepherd helping to pick up the cast sheep over and over and again. Psalms 56, 13, I love what is written there. He says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? that I may walk before God in the light of the living. This was the same compassion that God had for Peter. You remember Peter? He said, I will never deny thee. Though, you, though, I, though I have to be killed, I will never deny thee. And we see by the next morning, he has denied God three times. He denied his Savior. And yet, through his failure, we come to John 21. What an incredible place, Amen a place of hope, a restoration, a place where God, we see God's patience and love, and he comes quietly and gently, reassuringly uh, to Peter and saying, listen, though you're cast down, he says, in, he says I desire to restore you. Because here's the re reality of the fact that in our Christian life as a child of God, we're going to face, let's face facts the way they really are. Most of us in this room, we belong to the Lord. He is our shepherd. And we know and we can claim, the Lord is my shepherd. And though we belong to Christ and we desire to be under His control, sometimes we find ourselves cast down, don't we? And it's when we are, maybe it's when we're sure of ourselves, when we're sure of our abilities, and, and that we're, we're certain to stumble and fall. Listen, sometimes we, we appear to be flourishing on the outside in our faith, but we find ourselves in a situation of utter frustration and even futility. And that's why there's a warning in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. 
And so God warns us here. He says, listen, and that's where we so desperately need this shepherd. You know, those sheep, as we looked at them struggling on the ground there, I'm reminded and maybe, maybe discouraged by the fact that God calls us sheep. You know, all of the things about them, you know, there's not much good to say. But he says, I'm your shepherd. And though you're a fool sometimes, and though you wander off, and though you're, you're cast down, he says, he says, I love you with an everlasting love. Now here's some other parallels I want to examine very quickly from this. As he says, he restoreth my soul here. The idea of a lot of problems, a lot of sheep are cast down when they find that soft uh, spot, that depression in the ground. Matter of fact, one or two of those videos, I think, as we were walking, walking through that, you could saw, see a couple of them almost looked like they were in a hollow there as they were struggling uh, and they were cast in that spot. They look for that soft spot where they can lie down, but it's in those comfortable spots, those soft spots, those rounded hollows that, that is, they're, they're most susceptible to being stuck in. Now, in the Christian life, there's always great danger in looking for the easy place. Amen? There's danger in the cozy corner. There's danger in being comfortable where there's no hardship, no need for endurance, no call to faith. And so God calls upon us then. Listen, it's not about finding that comfortable place. It's about walking by faith and not by sight. Secondly, they often become cast because there's too much wool. Now the wool builds up and it becomes very heavy and so, uh, and then it becomes matted with, with mud, with debris. It can become matted with even manure and, and burrs and different things. And, and literally it just begins to weigh down the wool, uh, weigh down the sheep with its own wool. And so then as it lays in that hollow, that wool makes it precarious or weigh, even when it lays down, it becomes precarious and rolls over on, the back, on its back and becomes cast. Wool in Scripture is often a picture of the old life, the old self-life in, in, in the Christian. It's the outward expression of, what, uh, of an inner attitude and in the area uh, of, of, uh, of our lives where God is continually, in, uh, or excuse me, where we're continually in contact with the world around us, that is the area of our lives where we're most susceptible to pick up uh, all of the, the garbage from the world. We accumulate things by rubbing shoulders with people around us. And that's why church is so such a place of encouragement. Because we can come here and we can come to the, to the Lord and, and He says, now listen, uh, John, you've got to get this right in your life and you've got to work on this in your, your life. And, and God begins to shear some of that old stuff off of me and begins to, to clean me up. The high priest in the Old Testament was not even allowed to wear wool when he entered into the holy place. But did you know that shearing sheep is not an easy process? I've never sheared a sheep. But from what I've read, shearing sheep is a very, very difficult process. It's not enjoyed by the sheep. The sheep doesn't want to be sheared, even though it's for its own good. But it's not enjoyable necessarily always for the shepherd either. Anybody ever sheared a sheep? A couple of you. Amen. Good. How much fun was that? Not for the sheep. And so these guys can probably speak more authoritatively in, in this, but, but from what I've read, as the shepherd comes along and he begins to shear the sheep, the sheep oftentimes balk. They don't want anything to do with it. But listen, when it's done, the sheep is in much better shape. 
And so when God comes and the Master, uh, our Lord and our Savior and our Shepherd of our soul, He takes the Word of God and He begins to cut out things in our lives. Sometimes it's not always fun, is it? But we're much better off in the long run. And we're much safer because we see Him come along and restore our soul. David said in Psalms 42, As a heart panteth for after the water brooks, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. He said, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, David was reminded of this, this reality that he needed God. And the great thing is, is we can know Him. He can be our shepherd. He can be the one that restores. He can be the one that leads us beside these still, water, still waters. He can be the one that not only gives rest, but He renews. And so as we think about that, we, know, we can know Him. I love that fact that we can know God. He's not an enigma. Jesus, in, in John 10, he talks about being the good shepherd, and he deals with this fact that we can know his voice. We can be led by him. A.W. Tozer said that God is a person, and as such can be cultivated as any person can. God is a person in the depths of his mighty nature. He thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers as any other person. God is a person and can be known in increasing degrees of intimacy as we prepare our hearts for the wonder of it. And so the question is, are we willing to prepare ourselves to meet Him? Are we willing to say, Lord, I need my soul to be restored. I need to meet with you on a daily basis. God, I want to come before your presence. Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse 29, it says, But if, thou, uh, if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him, if thou seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. What a great promise. Man, when we come before the Lord's presence and we're earnestly seeking Him, the promise is that He will be found. Our progress toward Him is often determined by our desire to engage Him in a personal way. James says it like this in James 4, 8, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And I want to leave you with one last verse this evening. Psalm 63 and verse 1. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Are you thirsty tonight? Christ's promises is you can be filled. Your, your thirst can be quenched when you come to Him this evening.